Hey, everybody, and welcome to iFreaks. This week on our panel, we have Evan Stone. Hello, from Sonoma County, California. I'm Andrew Madsen in Salt Lake City, and it's just going to be the two of us today, and we thought we'd do sort of a special uh, post-Apple event show where we talk a little bit about what was announced today and what we think it means to us and, and what we think it means to iOS developers. So uh, that's what we'll do. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. Evan, what did you think? What were your overall thoughts on the, on the event this morning? Yeah, I, I thought it was a, I thought it was a good show. Um, there was, uh, I, I, there was quite a few things that were, I guess they, they weren't really surprises. A lot of confirmations of things of rumors that have been floating around regarding the, the new products and, that were coming out. What I, what did surprise me was that, you know, iOS, iPad OS and, you know, TVS, what all the, all the OSs were not really mentioned. You know, I thought that was interesting. So it was all very product focused today. Uh, so um, I thought that was kind of exciting. There were, they did, um, you know, it's strange that they didn't mention those, but that's totally fine given the amount of time that they had, but they did, inv uh, they did release some very interesting products today. Yeah. I found that interesting too. I mean, I think uh, fundamentally this was, pretty straightforward there's it's it's hard to go wrong by predicting a new iphone a new apple watch and a new ipad um every september from apple it's been like that now for years and years uh so nothing that was unexpected at all even if you had not followed the rumors and i i tried to stay away from them um so i didn't really know it was coming but i certainly expected iphones and ipads and apple watches and that's what we got um i noticed what you're talking about too and, and i actually thought i mean they did they did show some new features and they they showed off ipad os a little bit they showed off some of the new features in watch os um maybe not so much on the iphone but they did that in a way that was just completely integrated with showing the hardware and in the past they've kind of done you know coming we announced this in wwdc uh 3 months ago and we're going to like recap it coming later this month here's these new OSs and we're going to go through them again, even though you saw all this three months ago. Um, I liked that they didn't do that uh, partly just because it was kind of boring and I've seen all that stuff before, but also I thought it was, um, I don't know. I liked the sort of holistic approach. Apple makes software for their hardware and hardware for their software. And so present them together uh, as if they are one cohesive whole product, because after all they should be. Yeah, I, I totally uh, agree with you on on all of those points. Uh, it was the, uh, the fact that they did show new features and it was all within the, the setting, within the context of here's the new device. And oh, by the way, it does this, this really cool thing, you know, and we'll probably touch on some of those uh, new things for the watch and so forth. But, um, but all in all, I was, I thought it was a very, very good presentation and it was nicely paced. Um, one thing that I appreciated too was, you know, they had, I think what there was maybe 
three or four like game demos that, you know, and, um, a lot of times that it's, they kind of fall flat, you know, it's kind of like, okay, here they go with another demo. Um, but this time I don't, I don't know. I kind of thought it, it, it was paced well enough that it, it didn't lull you to sleep during those time. You know, it just kind of moved you along. And I thought that was really smart of them to do it that way too. Uh, and then they, they group like, like three together, you know, just, and, and I thought that was really effective. Yeah, you know, I made a, I, I, I joked to some friends of mine before the event started that, you know, we were probably going to get a AR on, on a table demo, like, seems like we've gotten, in, you know, every keynote for the last <laughs> three years. And, yeah. Um, and, and, and I joked that those AR on a table demos are just Apple's replacement for the game nobody's going to play demo, uh, which is really time to get up and go to the bathroom. Um, I've never really liked the game demos. I don't play the games that get demoed and they feel kind of tedious and long. And, and I think it's gotten better over the years, but often the presenters are not nearly as polished as the Apple presenters. Um, but this time they, they actually let off with that, right? Apple Arcade was the very first thing that they talked about. Uh, and I, oddly enough, didn't see the event where they announced Apple Arcade, I think six months ago or whatever. It's the first Apple event in 15 years that I haven't um, watched or followed. So I hadn't seen any of that and I certainly didn't come into it thinking you know, like, yeah, I'm excited to sign up for Apple Arcade. I don't play a ton of video games in the first place. Um, partly that's because I don't love modern video games. They've gotten too big and complicated and like you can't just like sit down and play one for 15 minutes. You got to get all into it and spend hundreds of hours on it. Or you play like this crappy free to play with in-app purchase sort of semi scam stuff that's on the app store. Neither of those appeal to me. But then I saw the games they showed and they looked like my kind of thing, like fun, simple, uh, it's not simple in a bad way, but simple in a good way. Like I could sit down and just play it for an hour and have fun and not feel like I had to devote the rest of my life to it. And then of course um, the pricing was, you know, four ninety nine a month. But I think for most of the people listening to this show, it's effectively going to be free because they said you get a year uh, with the purchase, purchase of an Apple. Oh yeah, that's right. They I purchase. Yeah. Yeah, I purchase an Apple device a year, <laughs> more or less. So, right, I'll never pay for it. You know, sounds great. <laughs> so you'll you'll just you'll just get the Apple Arcade. Um, yeah, that's that's cool. I um I, I have to correct myself. I think it may may have actually been two demos and then one later on. But we, we get the idea. Well, uh, yeah, and I just realized I made a mistake too. It's not Apple Arcade that's free. It's it's Apple TV Plus that's free. That's right. We'll, yeah. We'll yeah. But even so, for five bucks a month, if I can play some good games, I mean, that's the price. That's the price of one or two good non-scam, you know, non-in-app purchase scam. Um, indie games on the app store right now and i do buy sure. those occasionally because those are the, the only games i find that i like care about and i actually like and you know they're they're nice and artistic and you know simple to play and i feel like i'm supporting someone and so apple arcade definitely hit um definitely hit on that front yeah i, I thought they they chose the 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 two games that they chose they had the the frogger one first and then the one from capcom after that 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 underwater you know the uh into the depths. And uh, I thought it was interesting because, you know, the, the first one I was thinking, oh, I bet my daughter would really love that because she loves Crossy Road. And it was like, you know, sort of like that on a, on a grander scale, um, more detail and, and so forth. But, and then the other one I thought, oh, I might enjoy playing that, uh, especially on if I was, I was also kind of wondering how it would translate to Apple TV because I personally, I don't play games on my iPhone or uh, iPad, but I do enjoy playing them on the Apple TV. So that, that's my sort of next question about, you know, how, how are all these games are going to, how they're going to trans, 
to translate on the various devices um, and you know with controls and all that kind of stuff so I yeah guess- I'm curious about that too I think the Apple TV would be the main way I'd want to play them presumably with a controller not the remote yeah um, for sure seemed like I maybe they talked about this at the first event where they announced Apple Arcade but it kind of seemed like they're basically I don't know if it's a requirement or if they're just strongly encouraging developers to have them work on iOS, Mac, and Apple TV, uh, which is great if they do that, right? Because I'm with you. I don't really play games on my iPhone, but I know there are a lot of, lots of people that do. Yeah. Uh, but I would love to be able to play them on my Apple TV, maybe even sometimes my Mac. Um, there, there were actually three games. The third one was a, a combination music and racing game. Um, oh, that's right. And I actually that was really- the third one. I just didn't take notes on it. And then I, so I corrected myself thinking there were only two, but that's right. I didn't, I didn't take any notes on that. So I apologize for that. Uh, that, that game looked funny. I had a friend joke, uh, is Crossy Road mad that Frogger stole their idea? <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was joking. <laughs> I, I did think it was funny, no pun intended, but they like, were like leapfrogging. Uh, yeah, exactly. So. But anyway, yeah, so, you know, Frogger and then Crossy Road steals their idea and then the back and then now these, the Frogger's back. Yeah, I thought it looked fun. I mean, it certainly was, it was Frogger, but it was very much like modern Frogger. And I was actually thinking, I'd like to, I I should make a list and make a fun blog post, but uh, Frogger was on the Apple too, um, you know, among among many others. Was it really? Oh, yeah. But yeah, I've got, I've actually got Frogger on my 2E. So that's, that's quite a span of, you know, Apple platforms for, for one game franchise to be on. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. I didn't, I didn't realize that it was, but I think they, it was probably out on multi-platform because I think um, I grew up as a, you know, like an Atari uh, 800 user and that, and I remember Frogger being there too, but I also remember it being on tons of other platforms. So it doesn't surprise me that's on Apple too. That, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I think Frogger standing power. <laughs> right. I think Frogger <laughs> started as an arcade game and it was one of those. It, really yeah, it, it did. Yeah on every home console they could manage to squeeze it onto kind of thing. Um, so what about Apple TV plus? That was the next thing they talked about. Uh, I, yeah. I, I wonder what your expectations were going in and what you thought of what they showed. Hmm. Well, I think it delivered basically what I was expecting. Uh, it was, I, I just don't, I don't know what to make of Apple TV plus. Um, you know, I know they're going to, they're going to come up with their own, uh, original content and they showed some of it today. They had the, the preview of C, which uh, looked interesting. Um, but it, it, I guess time will tell, I guess, to see what, what kind of content they do come up. Because that's, that's going to be the main thing is, are they going to be able to, to produce the shows that people want to watch? Um, and it sounds like, uh, I don't know, the answer is probably maybe. Um, but uh, the fact that it's four ninety nine—that's I think the price is right. And especially getting back to what you mentioned too, if you buy a new device, you get Apple TV uh, free for a year. Uh, so I, it's like, well, you know, there's no argument for that, I guess. You know, so, uh, so I guess it'll it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like I think Apple TV Plus is going to be all original. So unlike any of the other streaming services, they're not trying to license, you know, existing stuff or give you access to movies that, you know, they didn't produce or TV shows that are on regular TV or anything. It is a hundred percent Apple's own original productions, which is interesting because I think they're the first ones to do that. Um, or that's the only thing they're doing, but of course it means that it 100% lives or dies on the strength of the content. And, uh, you know, if they 
produce stuff that people don't want to watch. Nobody's going to pay for Apple TV plus. They're not doing it to see this other stuff that they know they like. Um, that said, I'm cautiously optimistic. I think for all mankind looks really interesting and it's a Ronald oh, yeah. Moore show. And I, Ronald D. Moore is, uh, he made, he was heavily involved in Star Trek, the next generation and then Star Trek, deep space nine, and then went on to do the new Battlestar Galactica and outlander. So he has a pretty good track record, uh, certainly with me, but with a lot of people. Um, I'm excited about that. Uh, C looked interesting. It was hard for me to tell from that trailer whether it was going to be any good or not. But right, the uh, premise is a little weird, so it, it was hard yeah. for me to wrap my my head around that. Uh, but but that's interesting. You mentioned about the Battlestar Galactica connection, and um, what, what was the name of the the show again that you're for all mankind? It for looks like mankind. it's sort of a um, space one, right? Yeah, like alternate history where Russia makes it to the right, 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 right. The moon first kind of thing. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Uh, so that'll, that'll be interesting. About it. I don't think they've talked about it on stage because it doesn't have a release date, but as far as I know, they're doing a, a new version of Steven Spielberg's Amazing Stories. Um, oh, wow. The 80s. Yeah. <laughs> Those who don't know, it was like an 80s yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Show. Um, That's right. We have to re- remind people like Amazing Stories. Oh, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> well, I'm not. I mean, I'm, I was born in the 80s, but uh, okay. I know I know about it because my dad liked it and you know, yeah. showed it to me kind of thing. Um, so there, there's actually, you know, you can, you can go do the, you can go find lists of everything that has come out that they're making. And it's, it's a, it's a way longer list than what they've announced on stage so far. It's not just three or four shows, it's right? 50 shows or something and uh, across a bunch of different genres. So they've got a good chance. It just is, is really going to depend on if they have some breakout hits and some things that people are willing to sign up for, or I should say use Apple TV plus just to watch. Um, a lot of people are going to get it free, which is really smart. I think they don't have to convince as many people to pony up $5 a month. If you buy an Apple device, you get it for a year and we know how many, you know, hundreds of millions of people buy an Apple device every year. Um, so they've sort of got a built in subscriber base by doing that. Uh, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that is a smart move. And uh, and I'm assuming that it means that anytime you buy uh, a new Apple device, that that it'll be included. So if you uh, get a new device every every year, then presumably you would get Apple TV every year. I don't know. Sure sounds like it. Sure sounds like it. Yeah. So that that is a very smart move on their on their point. And then being able to get all that content out to for people to, to see and uh hopefully enjoy. And that's good to know that there's a larger catalog because I would, that was my other concern because I hadn't seen a big list of things. So it, and it really felt to me like maybe there were 10 shows, you know, but if there's 50, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. I hadn't actually seen this one until just now, but they're apparently doing a time bandits uh, TV series with Terry Gilliam producing and then um, oh, wow. the whole show, but Taika Waititi is doing the, at least the pilot. So some interesting wow. stuff in there. That would be cool. Awesome. I think the next thing was that Apple Watch uh, Health. I, I don't quite remember what the order was, but that Apple Watch Health video. Um, I thought they did a really good job with that. It's easy to be cynical about a bunch of rich Silicon Valley people getting up on stage and saying they're changing the world every six months when they're just coming out with consumer products that probably don't actually you know, necessarily <laughs> improve everyone's lives. But um it's, it's easy to believe that, that there's an exception in, in what they're doing with some of the health stuff on the Apple watch. Yeah. I, I got that sense too, you know, that the, the changes or not changes, but the, the features that we've been seeing that have been rolled out with Apple watch uh, it, 
it's they aren't necessarily going to affect everybody, but they will affect some people. And they've they've been showing that it's um, you know even if the the handful of folks maybe who are benefiting from this, uh, they really do get a um, really get the help that they need. So so I thought that that video was was pretty effective. It was a good way of promoting those uh, the health aspects of, uh, of Apple watch. So, uh, I thought that was a, uh, really, yeah, it was, I thought it was a really great, great intro. And then, and then they were able to talk about those features later on when they started talking about the series five watch and, uh, get into some new things. And, um, so I guess, uh, I, I actually, I feel kind of bad sometimes because I don't really take advantage of the, I have a series four and I don't use the, um, you know, the heart monitoring, maybe I should, but, uh, I, I pretty much use it for activity monitoring and not much else. So, um, but it, it's good to know that the, that those things are there, that people are taking advantage. And, um, and there was the one with, the the, the young man who was, um, is autistic and, you know, he'd, he'd go jogging or he'd go running and he'd put his headphones on and use the Apple watch. Uh, I thought that was a really interesting take on how it can benefit um, autistic children. And I, I had never really thought of it, but once I saw it, I, it kind of clicked and I thought, wow, that's really cool. So um, even things that are not specifically like the heart rate detection and those kind of things, they, they did kind of bring out features of Apple Watch that, that can benefit um, uh, folks who, who need the features. So I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, I thought they did well with that. Um, I think in the ideal case, a lot of what the Apple Watch does for you health-wise is is passive. I mean, there's the there's the activity stuff, you know, get your exercise and all of that. I'm not talking about that, but some of the detecting an irregular heartbeat or, you know, they're working on the hearing protection. Um, and there were mention, there was mention of a couple other things, uh, new, new research studies they're doing. And, you know, I try to think like 10 years from now, what will the Apple Watch be able to do in terms of, um, diagnosis and monitoring that it can't do now that is just pretty great. You know, if it can, I, we're getting ahead of where we're at now, but if it can detect early signs of a heart attack or a stroke or, um, you know, something like that, uh, and, and, and cause people to get treatment earlier than they would have otherwise, um, that, that becomes a pretty incredible uh, motivator to just wear an Apple watch, even if you're not using all the other stuff that it's doing. Yeah. It's, uh, I think a really fascinating aspect of the watch and, and even if it's not, necessarily giving a or playing a, a, a huge role in this um, just maybe being able to alert you of the warning signs um, even even minor ones can be can be very helpful I have a friend who has some um, some heart issues and uh, he doesn't yet have like a series three or higher uh, watch but I, I have a feeling one of these days he'll get one um, and I think you know, it could really benefit someone in, like in his case. So um, I guess I, I, it's going to be interesting to see how much more of these things they can roll out. Uh, I don't know if blood sugar monitoring and those kinds of things are something that they can be, they can even do. I don't know. Um, maybe they'll figure that one out. Maybe they're already working on it. Um, but, uh, but the things like the fall detection and the heart rate detection, um, and uh, I thought that the notifications for the, there was a parent who was deaf and he, he um, when his child woke up that he would, he would feel the notifications. I thought that was a, an excellent use of these kinds of um, features that uh, Apple Watch brings. 
One of the biggest pain points that I find as I talk to people about software is deployment. It's really interesting to have the conversations with people where it's, I don't want to deal with Docker. I don't want to deal with Kubernetes. I don't want to deal with setting up servers. I don't, you know, all of these different things. And in a lot of ways, DevOps has gotten a lot easier. And in a lot of ways, DevOps has also kind of embraced a certain amount of culture around applications, the way we build them, the way we deploy them. And I've really felt for a long time that developers need to have the conversations with DevOps or adopt some form of DevOps so that they can take control of what they're doing and really understand when things go to production, what's going on so that they can help debug the issues and fix the issues and find the issues when they go wrong and help streamline things and make things better and slicker and easier so that they'll more generally go right. So we started a podcast called Adventures in DevOps. And I pulled in one of the hosts from one of my favorite DevOps shows, Nell Shamrell Harrington from the Food Fight Show. And we got things rolling there. And so this is more or less a continuation of the Food Fight Show where we're talking about the things that go into DevOps. So if you're struggling with any of these operational type things, then definitely check out Adventures in DevOps. And you can find it at adventuresindevopspodcast.com. Yeah, that, that was that was great. That, I, I mean, it's interesting you bring up the blood sugar monitoring thing. I have a lot of people, <laughs> I say a lot and I really do mean a lot. I have quite a few people with type 1 diabetes in my family. It run, runs in my mom's side of the family. And that's like that's like the holy grail, right? It's a yeah. uh, non-invasive blood sugar monitoring system that also has a closed f- feedback loop for insulin delivery. And I feel like the more the more computer computing power we can get people wearing all the time, the closer and closer we get to that. And of course, there are, you know, there's the sensor and the insulin delivery pieces to figure out. Although we're, we are actually getting closer to that, but if that was, you know, more or less all on your watch, except perhaps for the actual insulin reservoir and delivery, um, that'd be pretty great. You know, yeah, for sure. Especially if it leads to better health outcomes, which is the real, the real thing that you want. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I, I guess we'll see what trajectory they're going to take in the next few years here. But of course, health aside, um, the very I think the very first thing they mentioned when they showed the Series 5 watch, and in my mind, that it was it was really the main thing, is that the screen is on all the time. Yes. People have been complaining about and asking for since the, seri- the very first Series 0, very first Apple Watch came out. Um, it's, it's not new to the smartwatch. The Pebble had, had an always-on watch, although it was a black-and-white e-ink display, so very much lower fidelity and not as nice. Right. Um, but I think there have been some Android Android Wear watches with always-on displays. Um, so it's it, it's it's easy to say, sort of like finally. Uh, but I think it's a I think it's a I think it's a like another one of these areas where Apple, typical Apple fashion, they waited until they could do it without compromising on a bunch of other things like that. Yeah, exactly. You hit the nail on the head right there. And I think that's the kicker was that they really they wanted to be able to have the always-on display. And, you know, I had a series zero and now I have a series four and it never was too much of a problem for me until I started riding my bike a little bit more. And I've been doing that in the last, over the last maybe year or so, a half year, whatever, um, going out for rides and things like that. And I always, when I have to raise my, you know, my arm to, to, to check the progress, then it always makes me a little nervous. Like that's a little, that's a safety thing. Right. So when I saw this today, I know there had been some, some rumors about this being a thing, um, that 
it really clicked with me and made made sense. Uh, whether or not, I, I don't know if I'm going to get a Series 5. I don't think so. But um, it's good to know that that will be there as a feature in, uh, in the 5 and presumably beyond, right? Um, but the cool thing was just what you mentioned there, was that they're, they're still claiming the 18-hour all-day uh, battery life, um, plus or minus. Your mileage may vary, I'm sure. Asterisks and all that kind of stuff. But um, it was, uh, I, I thought it was a very good good sign to see that they're, they're doing that. And I thought that would be a really great feature, especially for, uh, for, you know, workouts and those kind of things where you can't necessarily raise your arm to, or if you're working, maybe there's some jobs and things that where you can't lift up your arm to see what time it is or what that notification was that just came in. Yeah. I, I don't think I'll get a series five either. I also had a series zero and then upgraded to a series four and you know, I don't really, and I, and I, I have never bought the cheapest one. I like the stainless steel. Oh, cool. So that's a lot of money to, you know, I paid yeah. I know, it was like 800 bucks for the one I've got. I'm probably not ready to spring for even another 400 if I got the cheap one <laughs> just yeah. a year later for my watch. But, you know, in a, in a year or two, Series 6 or 7, it's also going to have that always on display. And so it's just a great thing to see to come see come to the product in general. Yeah, I I, I totally agree. I'm a, I'm a little envious that the 4 didn't have that, but uh, it's... It's just something to look forward to. I really, I really like my Series Four, um, especially. You, you said you went from a zero to a four, also. Yeah, I did. Oh man, it's that was such a great jump. I mean, unbelievable. It's, like, it's really like a different product. Oh, totally, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so then I can imagine you know having the performance of uh, or boosted performance, presumably from the four, and then having the always on would be really nice for those who can afford to make that job. One thing that was interesting in contrast to past years is they didn't actually spend that much time on the hardware in the Apple watch. They didn't, uh, they talked about the screen, but they didn't talk about it. They didn't mention at all, as I recall, uh, anything about the CPU or the GPU or um, anything like that, which made me wonder if they upgraded it at all. Uh, I saw after the fact on Twitter, people, you know, dug into the tech specs or whatever, and it does seem to have an upgraded CPU, um, the S5. Okay but like nobody knows yet. Is it faster? Is it a little faster, a lot faster? Like what's, what's the difference? Um, I, I tend to think the fact that they didn't f focus on, oh yeah, and our CPU is two times faster now means that it's probably a pretty minor upgrade this year, which is just fine. The series four is the series four, I series three even, but especially the series four is where I think they hit the like, yeah, this thing's clearly underpowered and a little bit, you know, you're going to look back at this in three or four years and think, holy cow, how did we even survive with that? That's certainly how the series zero and I think series uh, one and two were. the four. It's kind of like, okay, it, it's good enough. That doesn't mean it's not going to improve year over year, but I don't look at my four right now and think, man, this thing's slow. And I did that from day one with the series zero, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think you're, you're absolutely right there. And um, so it, it got a little spec bump uh, under the hood but uh, it looks like they were they were pretty much leaning on these other features like the compass and the always on display um, to uh, to you know to sell the series five and that's okay because a four I mean is a it's a great performing watch it's it's like it didn't really need that much more uh, so that that's probably what they figured as well and uh, focusing on the the battery life that maybe that was that played into it too. Um, they also announced that there's a compass in the Apple Watch Series Five. Uh, I'm not. 
I guess I knew there wasn't a compass <laughs> in the watch, but it just has never occurred to me that I need a, need a compass. Um, I had the same kind of reaction, like, oh, <laughs> there's there's not a compass. I knew that there was a GPS, and that was actually a new one on me too, because uh, I had I had had my Series Four watch for a while, and um, I think I accidentally discovered that the four had a, the GPS built into it. That um, you know, so it didn't necessarily need to require the phone to actually record my workout. It was really, it was pretty cool. So I guess taking that to the next step, having a, a, the, that directional um, component to that. So I guess whether or not that, that's something that could be tracked like with, with an app or something, I'm not sure. Um, that'd be interesting to see if there's APIs exposed for that. I, I haven't taken a look yet, uh, the magnetometer to see if there's, uh, you know, any, um, anything so we can take advantage of that. But the fact that it's there is very interesting. And so that coupled with the GPS could make some, some for some very interesting um, uses in, in uh, for, for Apple watch. Yeah. So I, I don't know that I care about like plain old compass functionality. I don't go out in the woods and get lost and need to find my way home Yeah, <laughs> very often. Um, I've occasionally used the compass in my phone just, but just as it integrates with maps when I'm, you know, walking in an unfamiliar city and I have directions and I'm not sure which way is which I'll use my compass. But um, I, I don't think I really need that on the watch, uh, you know, as a compass, but if it helps them, if, it, if it's another source of data that helps with all kinds of other things like better workout tracking and better, um, you know, better, better directions in maps and, and that sort of thing, then I think it's great. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I think, I would think it's a win, you know, the series five, I think is a great, great product and they, they presented it well. And I think they, you know, they focused on the things that are fairly important to, to the people who are buying these. Uh, I don't know about watch bands, but you know, other things were interesting too, like the case designs and things uh, that always, makes people very excited about, you know, oh, what, the, what, what case designs are they having this year? And I thought that was interesting that they rolled out some new materials. Yeah. So that's, that's actually something they did um, that I didn't uh, expect that I think is really good is they have, they're calling it Apple watch studio, but basically what they're allowing you to do is instead of having some set combos where you buy your, you pick your Apple watch case color and then you get a band with it, but it's whatever color they've chosen to go with that. Right, you can right. pick any case and any band um, and buy them together, which is great because both of the watches I've bought, I didn't actually want the particular band that came with them. Um, so I immediately had to, you know, shell out for the band I wanted and they're not making you do that anymore. I do wish, I don't think they're doing this. I do wish they would let you buy the watch without a band at all. Um, oh, yeah. Because it was a good idea. You know, I'm, I've already got, I've actually got like f probably four or five different bands. And I'm happy with them. Uh, I'd happily take a $50 discount or whatever to buy a case without a band. <laughs> yeah. No band not included. Yeah. That would, that would actually be pretty cool. Did, was there any, um, was there any cost associated to going with the studio method of like, you know, customizing your watch? That, that That's one thing that I didn't really catch. I think it was at a time when I was either writing something down or having technical issues or something. And I wasn't able to, focus completely on what what that segment of it was but so you can build it's like it reminds me of like you know disneyland where you can build your own uh, lightsaber right from the pieces in the, in the bin there and uh so i, I was i was envisioning that with the uh, the apple watch um you know choose your 
your model, choose your, you know, the, what uh, material you want and then choose your band. But I didn't, I didn't know if there was, if it was a premium cost for that or if it's just pretty much whatever it usually costs. They didn't, uh, they didn't make that hundred percent clear, but as far as I can tell, it's just the way they're selling watches now. There's not, it's not studio is an option, but normally you still buy it with a band. That's just how you buy your watch. And okay. I actually went on Apple's website cause you can order the new watches today. Um, oh yeah, I see. They that. have a little. I don't know. It's a pretty nice little web thing where you can scroll through all the different case styles, and they've got a bunch of them this year. They brought back the ceramic uh, from a couple of years ago, and then they also added titanium, and those are the watch edition again. So they have the those high end ones. Um, but you can scroll through all of those, and then you can just scroll through all of the different bands they have, and you just pick your combo. But the price is the same. Um, the price is. I think the price is exactly the same as what it would have been previously. Like. If you get a case with a sport lube, it's cheaper than a case with a, you know, stainless steel band, but the total price for either of those is the same as it was last year, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, that's good to know. And that's really, I, I think that's pretty significant because uh, that was one of the things that I found a little bit annoying that you had to have, you only had these, these preset combinations of things. And so being able to select those components actually makes a lot of sense. So that's great that they're doing that. And the new materials were, were interesting too. They're, do they still, I'm assuming they still have the stainless steel variety and it's not yeah. just, uh, so okay. Got the aluminum, uh, the stainless steel uh, in both, in I think the same colors they had last year. So gold, black, and silver, if I remember right. Oh yes, here we go. Okay, yeah, yeah. aluminum, stainless steel. And then titanium and ceramic. Titanium, titanium and ceramic are the Apple Watch edition, which is the extra high-end model. The way beyond my reach, monetarily level. <laughs> but I've been fine with the aluminum. I've I have both my Series Zero and the one that I have now, uh, space gray aluminum, and it's they've served me well, and I've been able to get bands that look good and and work well with it. So, um, yeah, I've. I don't, like I said, I don't think I'm going to go for a series five, but, um, they, the, just the fact that they have these new materials is interesting to me that they're, that they're making these out of. Yeah. Uh, I, like I said, I won't get one, but it was, it was a nice, it was a nice update. So the next thing was the app or the iPad. Um, I think this was the least interesting thing. It was just a bump basically from what I could tell to the low end iPad, which I think is a great iPad. I assume it's the most popular. It certainly should be. Um, it's actually probably the iPad I would buy at this point because I don't really use my iPad that much and not yeah. for anything that serious. So, I I I love my uh, I have a uh, iPad Pro twelve point nine. So and I I really really like it. It's uh, it's it's a great great device. Um, I'm thinking in terms of like my wife and daughter. Um, I think they they would they're ideal for this new nine point seven. Um, especially since they did add the smart keyboard, uh, you know, the smart connector. So I think that really opens things up. The 9.7 before didn't have that. So the, uh, having the pencil support, which they had before in the sixth gen, and now the, um, the, and now it has pencil support and smart connector. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. I, I think it puts it, uh, you know, very close to the air, I think. And so, and the, and the price is awesome. That 329 is a, a great deal. Yeah. I've got a 9.7 inch iPad pro, which was the, you know, 
it was like a half year after the very first iPad Pro. Um, it was the first iPad with a True Tone screen, and it, but it has the smart connector and Apple Pencil support and everything. You know, and I paid, I don't remember exactly, but like with, with the keyboard and Apple Pencil, I think I paid like 850 or 900 bucks for mine a um, few, few years ago, of course. But to be able to get that, an iPad that is the same size, has the Apple Pencil and the smart keyboard, um, has a, actually has a bigger display as of this year and it and is faster. It's two generations or three generations faster for 329. Uh, I, I must say that's pretty great. And it seems like a no brainer. And if I were buying a new iPad right now, um, that's what I would buy. Uh, but at the same time, again, incremental upgrade. I, I'm, I'm not compelled to upgrade. My iPad does everything I want it to do right now. Um, maybe next year. I don't know, but it, but it certainly wasn't unwelcome. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, I thought it was, um, very interesting product to, to launch. And I think I may have misspoken. I'm not sure if I said that this one had a 9.7 inch display, but it doesn't, they have, they bumped it up too. So it has a 10.2 now. Right. So, it's the ni- but it's the same size as the 9.7 inch iPad. They just right. made the bezel smaller. Just, yeah, just made the bezel, bezel smaller screen bigger. So, uh, it's, it's pretty impressive, especially at that, that price. And then for students, I think they have a promotional price for two ninety nine. Isn't that right? Yeah. Ed- education pricing is two ninety nine, which is good. Um, I wonder if they've just lost the education market to Chromebooks, but you know, at least yeah. they're trying. Yeah. They're still trying. <laughs> I know my, uh, my daughter's, uh, classroom, you know, you walk in and it's, hundred percent Chromebooks. So it's that they've definitely taken over, but, uh, still it's a valiant attempt. And, uh, even at the 329 price point, I think it makes sense. It's a, it's a uh, great move for Apple uh, as far as uh, iPads concerned. Yeah. There was a, one other thing that I thought was interesting was that, uh, just getting back to the watch, I think they, they just kind of mentioned this briefly at the end was that they're keeping the series three, but I think they're dropping the price to 199. And if you just want a basic watch that has, I say basic, but it has GPS, it has heart rate monitoring, uh, and it's uh, you know waterproof, I think. And so all of those, you know, in in the Series Three, that's that's a great deal, also. So you know, if, so, if someone wants a, a budget entry level Apple Watch, Series Three is still there. Yeah, they kept the uh, Series Three, dropped the Series Four altogether, but two hundred bucks for an Apple Watch, and it's not a, the Series Three is not a piece of junk either. I mean, it's yeah, pretty darn decent. Uh, yeah, that's good. I, I they want it, they need to they need to encroach on Fitbit price territory. You know, if they want to get the sure, just want a fitness tracker. Well, for if you're going to get an Apple Watch just to be a fitness tracker, you probably don't want to pay four hundred bucks. Yeah, that's that's for sure. So having it at a lower price point makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and the and the Series Three is no slouch. You know, that's that's a, a good device. New iPhone that I assume should be the star of the show. Um, yeah, something really. I thought that they really uh, really did a good job with this year that they didn't do such a good job with last year is that the iPhone 11, which fills the slot held by the iPhone 10R last year was clearly positioned as the regular phone, not the inferior phone, not the cheap phone, not the phone for people who can't quite afford the pro, but it's just the standard iPhone 11. It's great. You know, if you're just a normal person, that's the one you want. Yeah. I, um, I was kind of surprised by the, but the way that they, um, you know, that they, they positioned all the phones, but it seems simpler 
And I think that's that's a good move on their part. Yeah, I think it's a good move too. Um, some nice upgrades on that one. Uh, two cameras, um, which the 10R did not have. Uh, they talked about the spatial audio, and of course, it has the the new A13 Bionic, the new CPU, and presumably all of the performance improvements that brings with machine learning and, and such. I liked the colors. I, I like colorful phones, and I'm really glad that color has come back into some of the Apple product lines um, these days. 20 years ago, you could get an iBook in you know five colors, and even in the iPod days, they had iPod Nanos in really bright colors and stuff. So I like seeing that. There's, I think, it, I, I, I guess you know if you count finishes and colors, there's a total of 10 different colors of iPhone this year, which is pretty cool. Um, I'm not going to buy it an 11 i'm planning to get an 11 pro uh but i'm also an ios developer and a you know hardcore apple nerd and i wouldn't recommend that my my dad get an iphone 11 pro i'd probably just tell him to get the iphone 11 you know yeah i i'm with you on that and also on the the color topic too because i think it is awesome that they just kind of said okay iphone 11 it's going to have colors you don't have to necessarily do the like what they did with the 10 R that had colors and, you know, now it's just the 11 has, has this, this and really good color choices too. Um, I, I honestly, I probably won't buy either uh, the 11 or the the pro. I just, because I have the 10 S max and it's, it's been great for me so far. And I, um, but I, I don't know if we'll be upgrading any of the other phones in our house, but um but I, I, I certainly like these, um, the, the array of choices that they have. Um, it does seem like simpler because that was very confusing last year. You, you made a good point there, you know, with, uh, the, with all of these letters, with the 10S and the 10S Max and then the 10R. It's like it's hard to know what is the what, – what should I buy, you know? And, uh, and so it was much more clear this year. It's a very clear message. I thought that was great. Yep. Agreed. Um, of course, for those of us that really care about the iPhone and want the best and, you know, um, at least ideally have the money to afford it, the iPhone 11 Pro and, and uh, Pro Max, which, man, there were people predicting that name and I'm not surprised, but I think it was John Gruber said it sounds like a nutritional supplement and then found that, yes, actually there is a nutritional supplement called Pro Max. Um, or, you know, like a bodybuilding protein powder or something. That's awesome. Uh, I don't love the name. I don't love the pro max name. Um, but, but, uh, but otherwise those phones look really great. And I'm, I must say that I want to dig into all the stuff that they announced there with the camera, which was a big focus, but also, you know, performance improvements, et cetera. Uh, that green color immediately struck me when I saw it. It was the, I think it was the, it was when they very first showed it, it was that color. Yeah. I thought I want that just immediately wanted that color. Ah, so you're going to go for the green. Oh yeah, definitely. Awesome. That's cool. Yeah. I, uh, the one thing that, and I just want to say this before we dig too deep into these, the, the one thing I'm still having trouble getting over is the square on the back, you know, with the cameras, I know they have to do it. They got to put the, they have to put the cameras somewhere, (laughs) but that thing, it's just, it's massive. Um, so I don't know. It would be interesting to see what the what they do with the uh, 11s or whatever they're going to call the next one. But um, that that struck me as kind of like oh, I don't know. But um, then then they they actually showed it sideways, and it looked like the the sort of the square bump wasn't that uh, pronounced. So um, I guess 
I don't know. We'll see. You'll see when you get yours. So I want to see it in person. Um, I agree that that square bump looks pretty weird and I've seen a couple pictures of it that make it look pretty bad, but we'll all get used to it. People were not happy when the very first iPhone with a bump came out, which was, I think the six iPhone six. Uh, and I was part of that and I thought it looked kind of terrible. Um, and I still don't love it. Like in an ideal world, there wouldn't be a bump, but I think Apple's kind of, even when they came out with the six, they realized that that's where they were going. They wanted thin phones, but you can't, there, there is some physical limit uh, to the thinness of a camera assembly because you're dealing with wavelengths of light and, you know, glass that makes up a lens and you can't just make it infinitely thin. So they're just going for it. And, and, you know, I don't know what happens when they get to four cameras and then five and then 10 and then 16, somebody showed a funny mock-up of a, iPhone where the whole back, it was just entirely <laughs> the whole back. <laughs> um, there, there was actually yeah. a standalone camera called the light camera that came out, I don't know, two years ago, probably. And it, it was kind of like that. I think it did have 16 or 17 camera lenses. Um, oh man. On it. And so it's not like, Crazy. it's a joke, but it's, it's actually not like completely out of the realm of possibilities. They wouldn't be the first to do it. So back when functional programming was making its resurgence, I found it really interesting that a lot of people were moving over there and it almost felt like it was on hype. And I didn't really understand the power of functional programming until I learned Elixir. Elixir is a functional programming language. It's built on the Erlang virtual machine. And it really does some interesting things and makes you build apps in a different way. But what's really fascinating about it is the speed of the applications, the ability to distribute work easily, and just how it manages the functional programming and all of the nice things about it so that you don't have to worry about side effects and a lot of the other things that come out of functional programming. Plus, pattern matching in Elixir is a killer feature. If you're looking for a new language that you want to learn that is going to make a difference for you and give you the opportunity to challenge some of your thinking and find a new way of doing it, Elixir is a great way to go. And we have a podcast now on Elixir called Elixir Mix. And you can find that at elixirmix.com. But the, but that's a very good point. You know, what's what's going to happen in the next when they want to put on four? Like, yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll we'll have to see. But uh, I have a feeling it's going to be one of these things. Like when you once you get a case on it, it probably is not going to be that bad. Are you going to go for one of like the clear cases? You think that's a that's a question. I don't know. I've actually not had a case on. I, I used to never get a case on my iPhone. My first oh, okay. four or five iPhones, I never used a case. Um, when the six came out because it was bigger, I, I, it doesn't feel that big to me now, but at the time the six felt really big because I was used to the iPhone five size. And I thought I better get a case cause I'm going to drop this more now that it's bigger. And so I did, and I had a case for a while, but then with the 10, I've actually mostly not kept it in a case. Um, and I, and I like it. Uh, you get more of the advantage of it being thin. You get to actually see what it looks like. Um, I shouldn't say this on the air cause I'm probably going to jinx myself, but I've had an iPhone since launch day of the iPhone, the original iPhone, uh, stood in line at the Apple store and, and everything. And I have never once broken the screen on any iOS device I've owned. Um, so I don't worry that much about that. Uh, plus with Apple care plus, it's not that expensive to get fixed. So I don't this know that, that, yeah. that is all my long winded way of saying, I probably just won't get a case at all, but, I, but I, yeah, the clear, I, I'm glad they did the clear cases. Cause that's nice to not hide the color of the phone, you know? Yeah. I, I thought that was a nice touch. Um, but that's, that's interesting. So yeah, you, you go caseless usually. So that's, uh, that's, uh, I, I've never been, uh, confident enough <laughs> to, to, to not use a case. I've, I've gotten, um, 
uh, I think I've purchased very thin cases in the past and that, that worked pretty well uh, to protect it. I think I did break a screen once uh, in all of, in the devices that I've had, but uh, yeah. So uh, I guess it'll be interesting to see uh, when you hold one up close, you know, how, how that square looks and how it feels. So, um, but yeah, that green color, that is very striking and kind of interesting that they, that they came out with that for the pro. So now there's what, three, three color options now? Actually four. Or four gold too, right? Yeah. Gold, black, white, and green, I think is right. I should, I should just get on the website. Yeah. I'm looking at it here and it's just the green. They're just featuring the green. Let me, I need to go to that's that. That's definitely their, that's definitely like their flagship in all the ads and stuff. They're using the green one, which is cool. There we go. Yeah. Space gray, silver, midnight green, and gold. Nice. Uh, yes, but I'll get the green one. People have been calling it Newton green. Um, yes. Some of the Newtons were actually a really similar color. Yeah. I don't know if that's any kind of intentional throwback, but even if it's unintentional, it's kind of fun. Yes, I agree. That's now that you mention it, it does look Newton green. Cool. So are you, um, are you big on photography and videography and those kind of things? Are they really, really on, on both the iPhone 11 and 11 pro, they've focused really heavily on the cameras. Is that something that, that really resonated with you? Uh, so I'm a, I'm a, I'm what I'd call an avid, but solidly amateur photographer. Um, I like to take pictures. I like cameras. I collect cameras. Actually, I have a lot of film cameras that I shoot with. I've got a digital SLR. I've got a Fujifilm um, mirrorless camera. I've got a lot of instant cameras. So I, I like cameras and photography, but I'm not, I don't, uh, I'd like to be better than I am, but I don't fancy myself any kind of great photographer. So I'm kind of in a, I'm kind of in a, you know, in a middle spot where like the iPhone is my main camera. I take a lot of pictures. I have a, a young kid. Um, a lot of the pictures I take are, you know, for lack of a better word, like documenting his childhood, their, their family photos, but I care about them. I want them to be good. Um, I'm not taking the photos they show on stage where they're in the desert. And actually I noticed, you know, because I'm in Utah, a whole lot of their example photography uh, in this, um, in this, keynote was in in utah in various places in in utah uh which was interesting but anyway i'm not taking those kind of pictures um but i want the you know i want the best camera i can get right like why not i'm taking pictures if, if i'm taking pictures that are important to me um i want them to be good and i am mostly taking pictures that i mean to you know basically keep as personal history not just selfies to post on instagram which is sort of a different matter um so you know it More all it Yes. Slow fees. Slow fees. I, I seriously thought that was a joke because the first video they showed for it was a joke. It was a funny video. It had the, the mom um, with the kid holding the hairdryer to blow her hair back, but then it blew her lips back, you know, which was, was right. funny. And then it said slow fees. And I thought, oh, it's a joke. And I even tweeted like, it's a joke guy. Cause people were like getting kind of mad about it. And I said, it's a joke. And then, and then of course they showed another ad that was not jokey. And they also called them slow fees in that. Um, I don't actually think it's a joke. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, I'm sure it's supposed to be funny, right? But they seem to actually yeah. be kind of pushing the term. Um, <laughs> we'll see if it catches on. Sounds like it. They're trying to push the term because of the, uh, yeah, because of the, that front facing uh, camera, which sound, I mean, impressive, right? 12 megapixel uh, 4k video on the front camera, slow motion video, which is a new thing, I believe. And so then they had to, you know, let's coin a new term. 
slow fees. Um, but I, I, all in all, the features sounded really cool. Um, you know, the new, the front camera. What about you? Are you a, are you a photographer? Not at all. I, I shouldn't say not at all. I mean, I, I enjoy taking pictures, uh, and photography is something that interests me. I think it might interest my wife a little bit more, uh, than, than myself, but, uh, neither of us really has the time and bandwidth to, to take it up as a hobby and to really dig into, you know, cameras and all that, you know, and techniques and so forth. So, um, you know, relying on our phones is pretty much what we do. And, uh, we just took a, a trip to Portugal just in, uh, June. And that was, it was a great trip for the photography. I mean, Portugal is so photogenic and uh, kind of like Utah. Right. Um, and it, there were, so having the 10s max on that trip was, I think, perfect. Um, it was funny because my wife kept taking my phone, you know, to take pictures. I'm like, Hey, can I have my phone back? Um, but it, so having, having the best available phone, especially if you're going to be doing, like you said, documenting important moments in your child's life, or if you're going on a fantastic va vacation to an amazing place then, and having an awesome uh, camera really makes a difference. Cause I mean, I've seen, I've seen photos of people who have been on vacations and they have, you know, taken on their $50 Android device and they show it to you. It's all fuzzy. And you're like, uh, yeah, it looks great. But then you show them what you, the pictures you took on your, you know, the, uh, your iPhone and they're like, Whoa. So it does make a difference. And, and, and it would be interesting to see just how, how, how farther, how much farther the, uh, the iPhone 11 and 11 pro take, take it to the next level, I guess. Yeah. The other part of this story is that the Google pixel, whatever the latest pixel Pixel 3, um, I think maybe for the first time in quite a while, uh, is pretty widely regarded as having a better phone than the, or sorry, a better camera than the equivalent iPhone. Oh, interesting. Um, which I think is great because, you know, Apple's been pushing on cameras in the iPhone for a long time, which I'm glad they are. And I, I think it's an important thing for them to push on, but some really stiff competition is a good thing because it keeps them from resting on their laurels. And we'll see if, we'll see if the marketing we heard today matches up to reality when the phone's actually out and people can test it. But it, it, it seemed pretty clear to me that they're, they're not planning to just um, sit back and, you know, let Google be better at that than, than Apple is. And um, so, so hopefully they keep pushing it forward. I did think it was kind of funny that they, they spent all that time on the segment with the filmmakers. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Because I just really doubt that any serious professional filmmaker is using an iPhone to shoot anything real you know yeah i I, I agree i i thought that was i don't want to say gimmicky but that's kind of how it felt you know like maybe someone would do it and i, I evidently they had you know some director uh, who has done it but it's like you would do that just to say that you had done that it wouldn't wasn't necessarily like everybody's going to go out and start doing their videos but you know i guess for amateur videos video uh, videographers it makes sense and especially for youtube and so forth having a a decent uh decent camera that you can do videos with is is valuable but i i definitely agree with you on that like no serious movie producer director filmmaker is going to use it necessarily as their their main camera yeah. So, I mean, I love seeing it. I thought it was all impressive, the video that they showed and, and, and everything, but I, you know, I can't, 
I think most successful YouTubers use significantly higher end cameras than an iPhone. And if you were making a movie, even like an indie movie with any kind of budget at all, I mean, if you were going to go low end, I think you'd get a Canon SLR, you know, not a, yeah, you're probably right. But I, I I could be wrong. I'm not, I'm not a filmmaker. One thing I noticed uh, (laughs) is by putting the controls on the screen, um, (laughs) you could see this in the video they showed where they were filming the musicians, uh, you know, with the iPhone, you could see every time they tapped the screen of the phone to switch cameras or change the view on the screen, you could, you could see the, the video shake. Like that just seems stupid. (laughs) No, that's a good point. Yeah. That's a very good point because I mean, obviously you you don't want your camera shaking when you're, you're tapping it with your finger. Um, so yeah, I didn't even, I didn't notice that, but now that you mentioned it, now I want to go back and, and if you it. watch, you can definitely see the video shake when the person okay. is tapping the phone. It's, it's, you know, it's subtle. It's not, but you would see it. You'd certainly see it in the finished product. And if you're trying to make really great stuff and show how great your camera is, and then it's got these earthquakes every few seconds. Yeah, really? <laughs> well, the DP is tapping on the phone. That's pretty bad, you know? Um, so we're, we're actually at about the hour mark. We probably ought to wrap up. Uh, is there anything else you think that, you know, came out of the event that we, we definitely ought to talk about? Oh boy. I, I don't think there, I think we, we touched on most of the the major things. I did think that it was interesting that like the night mode uh, with the low light photography was, you know, that seemed like a good feature as well as this ultra wide stuff that they're doing, but we probably don't have time to chat about it, but you know, it's, it's definitely new features to take a look at and um, see if they improve one's uh, photography, especially for the night mode, I think. So there is one more thing, uh, pun intended. They didn't actually have an un- one more thing at the event, but there is something yes. that I don't believe they talked about on stage at all, but is now in the marketing materials. Um, that is that the new, it, it showed up on screen. They just didn't talk about it, but the iPhone, I think the iPhone 11 Pro for sure. I'm not, I'm not actually sure off the top of my head if the regular iPhone 11 has it, but there's this new chip called the U1 um, that's in there. And okay. it is an ultra wideband it has ultra wideband technology, uh, which they're using for spatial awareness for direction finding. And they actually say now on the website, quote, it's going to lead to amazing new capabilities. So they're, they're, they're very much hinting there that like, this is hardware that's going to be used for things in the future. Uh, we're not using it for anything super impressive yet, but we're going to. Uh, there there were, were rumors leading up to the event that Apple would announce something like a tile tracker, um, which oh, is yeah. a little thing you put on, you know, you put in your purse or on your key ring or whatever. So if you lose it, you can find it. Uh, they did not announce that. But presumably it's still in development. It will come out later. Um, and, and I could see it being useful for that, right? If your phone can actually tell what direction that thing's in, what your, your lost thing is in, that's really helpful. Um, they, they did say, and, and I saw people talking about this on Twitter, that in iOS 13, if you point your iPhone towards somebody else's iPhone, AirDrop will know that that's the person you want to AirDrop with. So they'll prioritize that device. You know, if there's multiple people with iPhones around you, it will know that the person you're pointed at is the one you probably want to AirDrop to. Wow, um, which that's, is, that's, that's impressive. But it's cool. Uh, so we'll see. Yeah. I mean, this very much seems like a forward-looking thing. And it was interesting to me that they didn't talk about it on stage, but it does seem to be a new, um, a new sensor uh, basically a new sensor input in these new iPhones. Interesting. And they didn't really chat about it. So maybe more information will be coming out about it. I wonder if we'll be able to take advantage of it as, uh, as developers. 
uh, and then also one thing they didn't really talk about getting back to the iOS uh, is or iOS story is that they didn't really talk about when iOS 13, 13.1 uh, and iPad OS 13 and 13.1 will be coming out. And I, um, it came out later. I think I saw a nine to five Mac uh, article that talked about that, but I couldn't find any information directly from Apple on, as to release dates, but that that's, those were the dates that, that, uh, that they had said that, uh, 13.1 would be September 30th and 13.0 will be September 19th. So the day before the, the devices come out. Yeah. So Apple PR actually, you know, seems to have talked to a few people that asked or something, but like, okay. I, don't, I haven't seen an of, official statement like on Apple's website, but yeah, it's September 18th, 19th, is it 19th, 18th or 19th, whatever that day is um, next week uh, for the, for iOS 13, it looked, I could be wrong, but it looked like that's only for the iPhone. And then iPad is not getting it until September 30th when iOS 13.1 comes out. I think that's right. Yeah. And then they, they also said that Catalina is coming in October. Um, okay. Which is not shocking. They've released the macOS update a little after iOS a few times. That's not unusual. Um, but it does make me wonder, often they, they do another smaller event in October where they announce new Macs, uh, and there were no new Macs at this, not even any talk about the Mac Pro, which you know we're all waiting to hear about a release date for. So I wouldn't be surprised if we have another event in October and the release of Catalina is kind of you know scheduled to coincide with that. Yeah, that makes sense. Awesome. Well, that, more to look forward to. And that's, yeah, that's only, that would be next month, right? So not yeah, too not far off. Far away. Yep. Get your credit card ready to buy one of those Mac Pros. Use your Apple card if, yeah. you, have a, if you have a high enough limit. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I haven't actually signed up for one of those, but I, I definitely do not. It's a separate to, topic entirely. I, I do not need to put a Mac Pro on credit. Um, yeah, I don't need sure. one at all, but I certainly don't need one on credit. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, the Mac Pro, that's, a, that's a definitely a different topic we can chat about sometime. Um, do you have a pick for us, Evan? Uh, let's see. Uh, give me one second to, to get that here. Yes, actually I have it here. Yeah. So, uh, my pick for this, uh, this week, uh, I don't know how long this is going to last, but, uh, the, at, uh, raywenderlich.com, they currently have a, uh, collection of three books, uh, on combine catalyst and swift UI. And uh, all of that whole bundle is going for $99.99 US dollars. And uh, so I just, I just, that'll be my pick for this week, especially for people who are thinking about iOS 13 and all of the, uh, the things that are coming along specifically combined catalysts with UI. So um, yeah, so that's, uh, we'll put a, a link to that, I guess. And uh, that's, that's the pick. I don't know how long this bundle is going to last. It's been going on for a little while. So uh, if uh, that interests you, maybe you want to uh, pick it up. Great. Thanks for that. Um, Ray, Ray Wenderlich's team's books are, are good and, uh, and worth getting. And, and they've definitely moved out of the strictly for beginners sort of tutorial space into all kinds of stuff. I have their advanced debugging and reverse engineering book. We, we actually had the author Derek on the show uh, a while back and it's just an excellent, excellent book. So worth picking up their stuff. If you can get it for a good deal. And even if not on sale, it's worth buying. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, I have a, I have a pick too, not a, not an iOS related pick, not, not directly anyway. Um, I have been, uh, so I don't know, I don't know. I, I hope I haven't picked this before. And I, I don't think I've talked on the show much about this, but I, uh, speak some Japanese and started studying it in high school 20 years ago and lived there for a while and, um, have traveled there often as often as I can. And, um, w- wouldn't call myself fluent, but, but, but I can certainly carry on a conversation in Japanese and, uh, ne- have never really properly learned to read because as anybody who knows anything about J- Japanese written Japanese knows um, it's a, it's quite an undertaking to really learn how to read. They have two phonetic alphabets and they use the Chinese characters kanji um, as well. And so I've always been able to read the phonetic alphabets or for a very long time. Um, but that's not how real written Japanese is written. It's a mix of those phonetic alphabets and kanji. Uh, so I have effectively never been literate in Japanese, which um, I decided I finally wanted to change and decided I, I'm going to learn kanji. And I realized it's going to take a while. It takes Japanese people all through their school years, basically up until high school, um, up, up until the end of high school to really learn all of what they need to know. Uh, but anyway, that brings me to my pick, which is a website, uh web app called Wani Kani, and, which means alligator crab in Japanese. And, um, it uses the spaced repetition system that Anki and, and other things use. Uh, spaced repetition is a is a m- methodology for memorizing things. It uses spaced repetition, but the best thing about it is you don't have to build your own decks. Um, they've they've come up with a good sequence for learning the character, the the radicals that make up kanji, the kanji themselves, and, and vocabulary words that uh, use the kanji you're learning. Um, overall, you, it probably takes about two years for the average person to get through their program. Um, you learn around 2000 kanji and 6,000 vocabulary words in that time. Uh, and it's really, but it's, but it's, I spend, I spend about half an hour a day, 15 minutes in the morning and 15 minutes a night um, working on it. And it's just working really, really well. And so I, so I very much appreciate what they're doing. It's a subscription. I don't remember what it is, six bucks a month or something like that. Um, which is well worth it to me to learn a major new skill. Uh, they have a, a great API. Um, there are people that have written really good iOS apps for it. I've thought about writing a Mac app because uh, their APIs can do all kinds of stuff. Um, so anyway, if you have any interest in learning how to read Japanese, uh, Wani Kani would be a great way to go about doing that. And that's my pick. Sounds cool. All right. Thanks, Evan, for chatting. Um, I'm excited about the event, and it was good to talk to somebody about it. Thank you, Andrew. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it was uh, it was great to chat about it, especially when it's you know fresh in our minds. We just we just watched it, and so it uh, so it was nice to be able to to chat about it so soon after it. Yep. All right. Well, we'll uh, let you go. See everyone next week. All right. Thanks again. Bye bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit c a c h e f l y dot com to learn more.